Welcome to the Forks Community Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, go to forkscommunity.church. To keep up with what is happening at the church, download our free app for your smartphone or tablet. If you enjoy this sermon, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Thank you very much and enjoy this week's sermon. Okay. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate this, and, you know, we give thanks to God for all of you because uh, this is a team effort, right? And it takes everyone to help make a church move forward. And, you know, this past year certainly has been a, a great year of what I've called resurgence for us here at FCC, especially, you know, compared to 2020, which was rough in many ways. So uh, we're thankful to God for all that he's done uh, for us and, and through us. And we hope that that will continue as, um, you know, coming up, we have our Christmas services, and this year, is that on up there, Nico? There we go. We have uh, two services this year, and, you know, we're challenging ourselves. We're stepping out in faith and doing two, trusting that uh, God's going to provide us with, with more people and new people that we can connect with. And although it's not up yet, but uh, Lord willing, next Sunday it will be, we are going to ask everyone to reserve your spot. So we're going to do like free tickets through Eventbrite. That way we know how many are, are coming. Um, obviously, there are going to be some people who just show up. But for all of those of you who are regular here, we, we really want you to reserve your spot so we know which service you're going to be coming to. And uh, that will be up live uh, next Sunday, and we'll give you all the information on that. Uh, so this, this week, I my family will be on vacation. We're going to head to Lancaster for Thanksgiving. So uh, if you do have any pastoral emergency, you can reach out to Bob Cushman. His information is uh, sent out in the weekly happenings that was sent out this past week. So if you don't get that, make sure you sign up. Give us your information on that connection card on the seat in front of you so that if something happens, you can get in touch with Bob. Also, last week we announced our, our comeback offering. This is a special offering. It's a chance for us to create ministry momentum into the new year. And it's a way for us to close that gap. Remember last year I shared that, last week I shared that we have this $20,000 deficit. And the goal is to close that gap. And Lord willing, even maybe end the year on a surplus. So that would be a great thing to do. And we encourage you to do two things. To just be praying now how God might lead you and your family to help us close that gap. And then December 5th, when we begin that comeback offering, that you would act. That you would give whatever God has put on your heart uh, to give. And so we want to also as a church be generous. So what we're going to do this year is 5% of everything we get from that comeback offering we're going to give to On Mission, which is a Christian sports ministry that uses the platform of sports to introduce Jesus to kids right where they are. And so the, the president and founder of that ministry is here in our congregation. He's not here this morning, this morning, but that's Mike Annunziata. And my kids have benefited from that. And I think it's a great ministry, and we want to get behind and bless that ministry so that they can go into the new year with some momentum and meet kids with the message of Jesus right where they are. So that will begin on December 5th. And you can give in three ways, as with our offering here at FCC normally. You can give in person on the offering box at the Welcome Center. You can give online through the website, as well as the app, and, of course, through the texting feature. 
All right, so that's that. Uh, before we go to prayer this morning, I do want to make you aware of some prayer needs. You know, Frank alluded to one, his granddaughter, Maddie. We want to keep praying for her that she will respond to the treatment and get well. We also want to pray for Amy Smith, who is currently hospitalized with pneumonia. And I did hear from Dana that she is improving. They, they are slowly weaning her off the oxygen, so that is a good sign. So let's keep praying for her as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, the book of James says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Lord, we have uh, proclaimed your goodness here this morning in song, and now we do so through prayer. And in a moment, we're also going to proclaim your, your goodness as we hear testimonies from your people, as they testify of thanksgiving, of how through your faithfulness you have uh, sustained them and provided for them in ways that they never expected or imagined. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us here at FCC over this last year. It's been a great year of resurgence, a year of, of newness in many ways. And Lord, we do not want to put um, anything in your way that would prevent us that momentum from continuing. Uh, Lord, someone once explained it to me, uh, we put the sails up, but the Holy Spirit is like the wind who comes behind and, and puts that wind and helps the, the ship move. And so, Lord, our job is simply to put up the sails, and I pray that we would be faithful in doing that. And when the wind of your Spirit blows, we would just ride out that momentum for your glory and the growth that you have for us. So, Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Help us to follow you. Help us to be dependent upon you. And Lord, um, we are just in awe of all that you are doing and have done uh, in, in us and through us here at FCC. Lord, we do pray for the needs of our congregation. We pray for Maddie, for Frank and Loretta's granddaughter. We pray, Lord, that she would respond to the treatment. And we know that it's so hard for a young child to have these, you know, IV lines in her and the pick lines and to constantly be poked and prodded. I pray, Lord, that you would give her a level of patience that's beyond her years. And I pray, Lord, that you would comfort and console her, her parents, as well as Frank and Loretta. And we pray, Lord, that she will be able to uh, be home for Thanksgiving, Lord. And even if that is not the case, I just pray that she would be better spirits so that on Thanksgiving Day, she could give thanks to you for the healing that is taking place in her life. Lord, we pray the same for Amy, and we thank you for the encouraging news that she is responding to the treatment, that they're lessening the oxygen, Lord. We pray that uh, you would rid her body of this uh, pneumonia, of this infection, Lord. We pray for the stress that this creates for the family. Lord, would you bear them up under your everlasting arms, and I pray for, for Dana and Carolyn and Michael and James, that they would really lean into you and find you as their source of comfort, their rock of refuge. Lord, I'm sure all of us are dealing with many things, many challenges, adversities in many ways. And I pray, Lord, that we would lean in upon you and that we would flex our faith and that we would not shrink back, but we would see this as an opportunity to grow and press into you. So no matter what we're experiencing, Lord, may our faith grow stronger. May we find your grace sufficient um, in all the trials and tribulations that we face together. Lord, we pray for our ministries. We pray for kids' crew taking place now. Lord, may the truth presented to these young children be planted deep within our hearts. And I pray that through, by the power of your Holy Spirit, they would act on that truth. And we 
Pray, Lord, for the youth ministry tonight. We pray for a night crew. We pray for thirst. We thank you for the students who are coming out. We thank you for all that you're doing in their lives and how your spirit is moving in their midst, Lord. Uh, We pray that uh, they would taste and see that the Lord is good. We pray, Lord, that they would thirst and hunger for righteousness. And I pray, Lord, for... um, for Andy and Jody and Eddie and Lisa as they provide the leadership for that. Strengthen them, Lord. May they not uh, become weary in doing good, but constantly rely upon the power of your grace within them. So, Lord, we pray that you bless our time of testimony. I pray that the praise would be all directed toward you and you would be given the honor and glory. And even as we hear these testimonies, would we be encouraged and strengthened in our faith? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now it's your turn to speak, and I know all of you are itching. We're not going to make you get up here, but I do have this mic, and so we will, you know, pass it around. Some of you might be loud enough you don't need it, but um, I wanted to see who would like to go first just to share a testimony of thanksgiving to God. Donna, okay. You all can thank Donna for breaking the ice. Good morning, everyone. I just wanted to say thank you to Pastor Tim and to Pastors. <laughs> Sorry. Congratulations. <laughs> I just want to say that coming here and listening to Pastor Tim has opened my eyes to the meaning of the gospel. From the first day that I stepped into this church, he was there to lead to support and teach, and especially to teach the meaning of God's words, which I had been hungering for and hadn't found. I was moved to ask for baptism due to my experience with Forks Church and also the experiences that it provided in many areas, but especially when I took the mission trip And I saw a whole new world view. It expanded everything I thought about, thought I knew that I didn't, things that I thought I understood that became much more clear when you talk to people from other countries where Christianity or any religion other than the official government religion They just open your eyes to the things that they experience when they share it with you. And it's something that really helped my spiritual growth. I came from a Catholic church where reading and teaching from the Bible was very narrow in its scope. Pastor Tim brought his ability to make the Bible stories clear and meaningful helped me to see and feel God's intentions for myself and sometimes even for others. So I thank you, and I thank all of you. Man, I'm going to get all my steps in today. Imagine that. Uh, I'm Loretta Farley, and uh, I just want to thank the Lord for just the body of Christ. 
we have brothers and sisters. We've been in a, n a number of different churches, and we know that people in those churches love us and pray for us and our family, and especially this one. And I am especially thankful for the women's group that meets on Wednesdays. And any of the women who have not joined us, think about it, pray about it. It's, it's a, a great method for us to support each other, hear each other's needs, pray for each other. And Jody does a terrific job of varying things each week, but also with picking a verse that we talk about and share about the particular verse. And it's, it's, it's a, a very encouraging time. Thank you all. So um, we're pretty, we're, I'll stand up. We're pretty new to the church. Uh, we moved here in September of, not this past September, but the, a year ago, so a year and a month, two months. But um, yeah, we've just been blown away by how, how blessed we have, um, have been from a family of, of believers and the ministries that are a part of the church are small, but they're meaningful and they're really impactful in my life. And um, I'm just excited to be a part of something that's, uh, that's larger than just our four walls and um, the ministry of the men's group that, I don't know if Dan's here today, but Dan invited me literally the first Sunday that I was here. He came up to me and was like, we're getting together on Saturday if you wanted to come. And that was music to my ears. I know I, I, I'm a pretty um, Midwestern hospitality kind of guy, and my wife's from Massachusetts. Um, just a different background. Not to say that they're not nice, but they're just a different, a different background. <laughs> If you know any Bostonians in your life, you maybe know what I'm talking about. But, <laughs> but, um, but, but I, I connect really easily with folks, and and that was something that I, I desperately needed, um, just having moved to the area. And so it was it was a complete blessing to be connected with such men of faith, Bob Cushman and Brian, and all the other guys that are there. Eddie, of course. Um, so, at risk of, of uh, sounding like a broken record, I, I'm very grateful for. Um, for Pastor Tim and his leadership and what this church has meant to me. Five years ago, when um, Forks Community Church started, 
I was sort of lost. I was lost in my spiritual growth because of a number of things. But when I met Tim, he came to my office to speak to my boss because he's an elder at another church. And I said to my boss when he left, I want to go to his church. And I said, you keep me posted. So I have been here since day one, since first service and on Easter. I'm not sure of the year, but I remember that it was Easter. And through Tim and other members of this church, I have grown spiritually so much that my faith in God has never been stronger. And I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for everyone here who has helped me through the years. Struggles, I've had struggles, breast cancer, other things, but I made it. I have an exceptional husband, and I feel that I am responsible for his growth in the Lord. I'll never get baptized. <laughs> I was already baptized. And this past summer, he got baptized. And I, and I couldn't be prouder of him and Forks Community Church. Thank you. Um, God is so good, and the way he brought us here is just so amazing. Um, we moved here a year ago this summer from central New Jersey, and um, of all people, um, Bob Cushman was our pastor for many years when we lived in Princeton. And I had kept up a friendship with Linda on Facebook, and um, when we moved here, um, they were such a blessing to us. And just through a series of things that happened in our family, they brought us here. And we have just felt such love from you all. You have been there for us. And um, as I said, God is so good and he is amazing. So we thank you all for the love and the hospitality that you have shown our family. And we thank you, especially for Pastor Tim and his leadership here. Praise God. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Anyone else? The, the pastoress. <laughs> So, um, <clears throat> I wasn't going to share, but you know when that Holy Spirit is like, no, do it, do it, say something. So, I feel like I have to say something. But last year, at this time, I was bald, and I was in the middle of chemotherapy treatment. I had gone through surgery already, and I remember when I was diagnosed um, back in July of 2020, I asked the Lord that he would use it for his glory to reflect him, to show him in the midst of my journey. What I was not expecting was how the body of Christ would truly, truly show me how powerful God is in providing for everything. And so all through treatment, we were provided with meals and help with laundry help with cleaning, Aaron Janellis. Um, 
and Trina came over. They cleaned my house. They cleaned the girls' room. It was just awe-inspiring and just, it was overwhelming in such a good way. So from the bottom of my heart over the last year and a half, I thank all of you for being so supportive and helpful and just blessing our family in such a big way. Anyone else? I was the one standing behind Tori saying, receive the help. <laughs> we need the help. <laughs> Anyone else? I don't want to belabor this, have a short message plan, but I also don't want to cut someone short. All right. So, you know, sometimes pastors have corny jokes, so I want to begin with a corny joke. I wanted to share it last week, but I forgot. So here it is, and Will, you cannot answer this, because you've heard it. So what was Moses' favorite coffee? Hebrews. You got it. It's a book of the Bible. And we were in Hebrews last week, and I thought of it. So, by the way, if you're ever in Bedford, Pennsylvania, it's three hours west, it's like an hour east of Pittsburgh, there is a Hebrews coffee shop. And I've been there, and it's good. So it is a real deal. Yeah. So, all right, my career as a stand-up comic is clearly over before it began. That, so that actually is a paradox, and I want to open and talk about paradoxes this morning. If you're not familiar with what a paradox is, it's a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. So, you know, here are some. Jumbo shrimp. Less is more. Hopefully your spouse didn't say this to you this morning, but, you know, deep down, you're really shallow. Jesus used paradoxes. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And you could go on and on. And so we want to talk about a paradox as we conclude our Enough series uh, this morning. It's a, it's a paradox from a peculiarly named Old Testament prophet, which you may have never read, but there is a book in the Bible that, that bears his name. It's three chapters, and his name is Habakkuk. Isn't that an interesting name, Habakkuk? And the paradox that we get from the last three verses of that book is this. You can be full of joy even when life is empty. You can be full of joy even when life looks empty. And so that's a paraphrase of these last three verses from Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. I'm just going to read those. You can follow along on the screen. And here's what it says. Though the fig tree does not bud... And there is no fruit on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord my God is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer. It enables me to walk on mountain heights. And then he ends with some instructions here for the choir director on stringed instruments. What I just read was actually poetry. It was put to song. And so 
this book of Habakkuk closed out with a song, and you notice what he's saying there, that the fig tree does not bud, and he continues. Obviously, you get the sense that Israel is a very agrarian economy, and we could kind of tweak that for our own times, right? Although there's no toilet paper on the shelves, and I can't get what I want from Amazon, and the supply chains are, are disrupted, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. You get the idea, right? So as we're reading this, and we're like, oh, man, like, here's this guy. He's rejoicing even when life looks empty. That's not where I'm at right now. I mean, it might be hard for us to read that and go, really? Uh, life's empty for me, but I, I just can't rejoice right now. Well, let me encourage you. Habakkuk ended here, but he didn't begin there. He actually begins with protests. And he's crying out to God, and he's wrestling with this age-old question, is God good when there's so much evil in the world? Is God good when the things I really want, I can't get? Have you ever thought of something like that? We've probably all been there at one time or another, crisis of faith, dark night of the soul, where we're wrestling with God over questions like that. And that's how Habakkuk begins this book. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. Listen to this familiar cry. Maybe this has come off your lips. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? And you do not listen or cry or cry out to you about violence, and you do not save. So you get the sense that this is a repeated cry. Lord, there's so much evil in this world. What are you going to do? Now, what I appreciate about this portrayal of Habakkuk is it's a realistic picture of authentic faith. And so here at FCC, authenticity is one of our values. We want to be real. And here we understand what real faith looks like. That real faith isn't immune from wrestling with God. And what Habakkuk does in this book, really the whole book, is this wrestling match between him and God. He has two laments, God responds, and then there's this kind of euphoric experience where he realizes, oh, this is the key to contentment. And we're going to get to that key in a moment. But hopefully this encourages you as you heard how I ended with this praise, and you're like, man, that's not where I'm at. But look where he begins. He begins with protest. And one of the unique features about this prophecy is that it's more of this back-and-forth conversation between Habakkuk and God. And when we, when we think of prophets, what do we normally think of? Yeah, okay, someone named a specific prophet, Jonah. Prophets, normally, we think predicting the future. Now, that is certainly true. Prophets did make predictions like, for example, the Messiah is coming, etc., but the major role of prophets in the Old Testament was they were, as one theologian called it, God's covenant prosecutors. They would go to the Israel when they were not responding to God's ways and go, look, return to me. You're violating my laws here, here, and here. Repent and turn back to God. That was their major role, to call the people of God back to the ways and will of God. But And so here's an example from Isaiah 1-2. I mean, this is a great example of this kind of role of God's covenant prosecutor. Listen to what it says. Listen, heavens, and pay attention, earth, for the Lord has spoken. 
I have raised children, he's referring to Israel, and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's feeding trough, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Hey, parents, that's a really good zinger, isn't it? (laughs) And notice God's lament, O sinful nation, people weigh down with iniquity, brood of evil doers, depraved children. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on him. That is, that goes for the jugular, right? But when you read Habakkuk, there's none of that stuff in there. And so Habakkuk's very much like this uh, book that reads a lot like the book of Job, back and forth. Habakkuk's more of this philosophical dialogue. Why aren't things this way, God? It's a book in which he laments and God responds. And so that is actually a clue for us. If we're at protest today, how do we get to praise? How do we get there? Well, we have to lament. We have to lament. And so if we want to get to that place where we experience joy when life looks empty, we must lament. Uh, Another good case study for this is the book of 1 Samuel. It opens with Hannah, who desperately wants to have children, but she's barren. And she cries out to God. And you get this idea that at the beginning, her soul's a mess, she's tortured, but after her lament, she's at peace. That's what lament does. That's how we cry out to God. And if you were here with us in the summer, we did a series on lament psalms. Remember that? Raging storms. Okay, good. People are shaking their heads, so that series didn't bomb. Good. So we went through a lot of those lament psalms where we understood how do we cry out to God in our pain. And the psalm showed us, and here we get a sense of that too in Habakkuk. But what really is a lament? I, one author defined it. It's different from complaint. So lament is, an, is when we're appealing to God based upon his character, like Habakkuk. God, you are a God of justice. So if you are a God of justice, why are you allowing all this injustice to continue? Whereas a complaint is an accusation against God that maligns his character. So Israel in the Exodus, soon after they're leaving Egypt, they're out there in the desert and they're complaining saying, man, we're hungry and thirsty. God just brought us out here to kill us. You understand the difference? The second one is is saying something about God's character. He's not good. He's not faithful. He's just out here to get us. And so hopefully you understand the difference between the two. And so when it comes to us, when we're in our protest, we need to avoid two extremes. The one extreme is what I call the Pennsylvania Dutchman response, the posture. I suck it up. I become stoic. I hold it all in. Well, what happens after a while we do that? It eats us up. It implode. We implode eventually. And we become bitter, angry, grumpy people. On the other side is another improper response when we just blow up. Like Israel, we're just complaining. We're, we're venting. In the middle is where we need to be. So we don't, we don't hold it in. We don't blow up. But we do cry out. We do cry out. And when we cry out as believers, it really is proof of our relationship with God. 
I heard this little story from Dr. Russell Moore in his book, Adopted for Life. It describes uh, he and his wife going to an orphanage in Rus Russia as they were in the process of pursuing adoption. And so they, they entered this nursery in this orphanage. And you can imagine, when you enter a nursery, what do you expect to hear? Crying, yes. But they entered this nursery, and it was silent. And it was eerie. The babies, there were babies in the cribs, but they didn't cry. And it's not because they didn't need anything, but because they had learned that no one had cared enough to answer. Man, isn't that sad? I want to cry right now. <laughs> but the idea is that children who are confident of the love of their caregiver, they cry. Parents, you know this. And maybe that ought to give us pause the next time we hear, Mom, Dad. It might be a complaint, right? But at least they're crying out and they're confident in our love as a caregiver. And so that's how we ought to view ourselves in our relationship with God that we shouldn't be silent, but we cry out to him in confidence, appealing to his character, his goodness, and his justice. And that's what Habakkuk did. He pressed into God, even in the midst of unanswered questions. Now, is that our default response most of the time? When God is often silent or he's not doing what we want to, we often tend to pull back. We do that in our relationships, too, with people, right? We pull back. We unfriend them on social media. We withdraw. We go silent. And in those moments, we rely upon our senses alone like Israel did in the wilderness. And so one of the assumptions when we're going through protest is this. God doesn't care or he isn't good. But the problem in those moments is we're defining care or goodness on our own terms or on the basis of temporary inconvenience. Well, I'm hungry. I'm not getting food right now. Evidently, God is not good. But instead of pulling back in those moments, we need to press in. And that's what Habakkuk does. He presses into this wise, all-purposeful plan of the all-knowing God. And he presses in, and when he asks God, how can you, you know, deal with all this injustice, God responds by saying, look, I'm going to deal with it, and I'm going to use this nation of Babylon to do it. Well, that sets up a whole other <laughs> lament, because then Habakkuk's like, how can you use this evil nation, et cetera, et cetera? And God says, I want you to write something down. I want you to write something down. So he, he writes down this vision. And an important piece of that vision contains the key principle for us to move from protest to praise. And it's in Habakkuk 2.4. But the righteous one will live by faith. Now the Apostle Paul quotes that in Romans chapter 1 when he talks about the gospel. That the righteous one lives by faith, that we trust in God, even when life doesn't make sense. Now, this ought to sound familiar if you were here last week. What was your challenge last week? Remember? 
flex your faith. What is God telling Habakkuk? What is he telling us? What do we have to do? Flex our faith. And then Habakkuk 2 ends with this picture of who God is. We trust in the Lord who is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in his presence. Can you go there, Nico, 220? There it is. Why should I trust in God? Because he's sitting on his throne and he's all-powerful. And he's moving in ways that you cannot expect, imagine, or even see. Now, what I want us to do is we apply this to our situation. So Habakkuk's before the cross. He's awaiting a Messiah. We are on the other side of that. We're reading this post-cross, post-resurrection. We have an even greater detailed picture of the scene in heaven. Because who is at the Lord's right hand? Jesus, our risen Savior. And the hope we have in our protest, as we put our faith in Christ, is we put our faith in a great high priest, according to Hebrews 4, who has paved the way to heaven for us. He was like us in every way except for sin. And because he is our great high priest, he promises that he's interceding on our behalf before the Father at all times. And in Hebrews 4, 14 and 16, he tells us that we can come before his throne with confidence because he is gracious and merciful to help us in our time of need. So as I tell you just to trust God, right? I know that sounds cliche, but if we understand that as Christians, we're putting our trust in one who knows what it's like to be in our shoes. And he can minister to us at any time, in any situation, because he's lived it. And as a result of this whole experience of Habakkuk protesting, putting his trust in God, understanding that God is on his throne, then he ends, he's like, ah, I get it. And he says, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. 3, 18 and 19. The Lord, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer. And he enables me to walk on mountain heights. He was full of joy, even when life around him looked empty. Now, our lives may not look completely empty today, but we certainly are faced with uncertainty. There's tension. We look out at the world. We're like, is there going to be another pandemic? What's going to happen in the 2024 political election? There's all these questions. And instead of asking why, God wants us to focus on who? Him. The Lord is in heaven. He reigns. And I think it's really important uh, for us today that we leave here having I fear far too many Christians have what I call the chicken little syndrome. We're walking around in the world. We're getting all caught up in the news. And we, we are fearful that the sky is falling. Who's holding up the sky? The Lord God. 
Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned about these issues or we shouldn't approach them with grace and truth. We should. But at the end of the day, let's be people of hope who flex our faith in those difficult times, who lean into God, who press into God, just like Habakkuk did. And so if you are where Habakkuk is today and you're soaring on the heights, you're praising God, amen. That's awesome. I rejoice with you. But if you're not, I would also say to you, don't dismay. Don't dismay. It's no accident that you're here today to hear this message. And the fact that you're here says that you're pressing into God. That you came here to worship because you wanted to hear something from God that would speak to your life. And here's the message that God is saying. He's speaking to your life today, saying, I hear your concerns. I hear your questions. I'm not afraid of your questions and doubts. Lean into me. Press in. And your faith will grow stronger. And so if you are at that place where you're like, man, I I just can't see. Life looks empty. I'm not in the place where I can praise. Then you need to take up today's challenge. And here it is. Lean into God and lament. Lean into God and lament. And there's three chief ways you can do that. After I share these three ways, choose one that works for you. The first one is to lean into the word of God. That you rest into those promises, you search his word through those promises, I'd be more than happy to help you. Maybe you want to begin with a whole book of the Bible that's called Lamentations. It seems obvious, right? Or those lament psalms. The fact that they're in the Bible shows us that God is like, hey, I know you're going to be in these places, and I've given you tools to use to help you get out of them. So lean into the word of God. The second one is to lean into prayer. As you read those lament psalms, you're going to understand, wow, I can cry out to God in a very real way that I didn't think was allowed in prayer before. In those psalms, we see an honesty, a transparency that is often lacking in our prayers. We think that we always need to pray, oh, most holy God, but Sometimes we just talk with God like a friend. I, I go out here in the walking trail a lot, and I pray, and I'm just like, Lord, here's what's on my plate today. I'm struggling with this. I'm just having a conversation with him. Now, I'm not saying our prayer should always be that, because we are talking to the king, right? So if we're always treating God as our friend, then we might have an unbalanced picture of who God really is. So we lean into his word, we lean into prayer. And here's a third one that's the most underutilized resource, that we lean into the body of Christ. There is wisdom in this body from whom you can get counsel. It can be me, it can be others, but there are mature enough people in this body that you can lean into, you can tap for help. And I think you've heard enough from the testimonies this morning that if you air your doubts, your issues, people aren't going to make fun of you. People aren't going to go, why are you feeling that way? They will be empathetic and understanding, and they will give you the counsel 
that you need. Now you need to find them. See, this, this involves two parties. This involves you sharing your heart. Sometimes as a pastor, you know, people complain about me as if I'm the Holy Spirit and I'm supposed to know what they're thinking and feeling. Well, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. <laughs> but if you share with me, okay, now we can talk. Now we can have a dialogue. Now we can have counsel. And so don't underutilize this important resource of leaning into the body for counsel, for comfort, for encouragement and support. We all need that. And last year was a, was a year, as Tori shared, where we had to get that from you. We were weak. We were frail. I was at the point of almost giving up, and you guys had to do that for me. The pastor is not perfect. Yeah. I need a Savior, too. So there you are, lean into God, lament. Lean into the word of God, lean into prayer, lean into the body. If you need help in any of these areas and you don't know where to start, come see me. We'll get you the help that you need. Now, can I tell you how long this, this journey is going to take from protest to praise? No, I cannot. But I can say with confidence, if you lean into him, if you lean into him right now when you're vulnerable, you're hurting, he will build you up. He will build you up. I've witnessed that power in my life. And he will do that. And it's a journey worth taking. So you might not feel like praising now, but I think it's only fitting that we close out this service with praise. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I'm not going to end in a prayer. We're going to end like Habakkuk ends. We're going to end... <laughs> 